flashing cars with all of them park. Your niggas money light come out of the dark. You really are my type, it's not a facade. The following podcast contains explicit language. Seven times out of ten, we listen to our podcast at night. Thus spawned the title of this program. <laughs> Welcome to my global conversation about your person, persona, and facade. The weekly podcast where I discuss hip-hop happenings, music, sports, and politics. But mostly, how to navigate the world, being your true self. My nerve don't always translate well, so bear with me. This show is called The Facade Podcast. I'm your host, Sony Hip-Hop, Dr. Brian Keith Hopkins, coming to you live from the invisible studios of West Texas. And here we go. Yay, yay, yay. <laughs> facade Cow. Facade Pause. Cow, boss. <laughs> Facade Podcast fam, what's up? What's going on with y'all? How's y'all weekend? How was y'all weekday? Whoo, boy, boy, boy. It's been a, uh, I had a, had a wonderful, had a wonderful week. So before we get started, started, I want to shout out to the 100 Black Men of West Texas. Got to host our first barbershop talk. Yay, yay. And they let me host Side Podcast Live is my first live event, so it was absolutely wonderful. Had about 17 young black males from the community and some elders, about 10, about 10 elders came out and we asked some questions, chopped it up a little bit for about an hour and a half. Overarching question was, was it like to be a young black male in West Texas in 2019? And so, man, we talked about a variety of topics. We talked about... uh. What we talk about, I asked the brothers to define brotherhood. I asked them uh, what in what space are they feel like they most safe at. Uh, I, and we talked about uh, perceptions, about being a uh, perception of oneself, about how people who ain't a part of our culture see us with our do-rags on, our baggy clothes, you know, and they make false um they deduce falsely about who we are as people, about our value set, about uh, our potential to commit violent acts. Uh, so we talked about that. We talked about interacting with young black girls. Like, what is, what is how are you taught to interact with young black girls? As it relates to loving them, protecting them. Not that black girls need protection, but, you know, treating them with respect. We talked about, <laughs> we talked about dating black girls, too. <laughs> That was, that was interesting. We had some young brothers that was like, hey, you know, uh, you know, I, I don't date black girls because they be loud like my sisters. <laughs> and then we had some brothers talk about how they, how they date black girls. And so it was just a, uh, it was a beautiful conversation about passing, about demystifying some generational narratives about what it means to be a black man, uh, about respectability politics, about, um, ultimately going to college. And so we're going to do it. We're going to do it once a month. Yeah. West 100, West 100 Black Men in West Texas, Side Podcast Live, we're going to do it once a month. Next time we go, we got some videos that we work, some visuals that we're working on getting up on our uh, YouTube channel. September 1st, Side Podcast YouTube channel drops. So we're going to get some visuals and go with all this talking, right? And so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was just, that was, it was great, man. I, lo- I loved it. We shifted gears so for, to your new listeners. How you doing? Dr. Brian Keith Hoskins. Just the normal format. Format is five random topics, therapy exercise, either or, neither, nor. What we not going to do, talking about and the detangle. But y'all, I had a conversation 
Let me pull up. Let me pull up the information. So I had a conversation with this young brother uh, that been listening to the Facade podcast. He been listening to the podcast from Yay, and so you know we had a conversation. His name is Uncle Vic. We had a conversation just about hip hop, right? And my responsibility to uh, communicate hip hop. Not necessarily in a flippant way, because, you know, we get to the comedy. I stay into my comedy thing here. But to be serious, we're in a serious cause for seriousness. You know, so he checked me on a couple things that I was wrong about. You know, uh, Griselda to be for one. You know, I love Benny the Butcher. And so I made some, you know, some comments, and I ain't beyond reproach. So because of that, right, I created a section called Ether. So each podcast, we're going to start with the conversation ether section called ether where we get into this deep dive about the culture right and so i want to start this inaugural ether with uh this whole kaepernick jay-z situation so we're gonna get into it right now so pause for a second i get that some of my listeners was born in 01 that's nas stillmatic is the album right dropped in 2001 Ether is the name of the song. Now, Nas was responding to Hove, who dropped Takeover in September of 01 on the Blueprint album, right? And so Nas got at him, basically destroyed him on this, in my opinion. I'm a Nas head, but I'm subjective, right? He destroyed him. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And so in response, Hove dropped Super Ugly on a radio freestyle, which, yeah, eh, it was all right, right? And so, yeah, that is the beginning of this. How can you stand for the national anthem of a nation that preaches and propagates freedom and justice for all? That is so unjust to so many of the people living there. This stand wasn't for me. This is because I'm seeing things happen to people that don't have a voice. When he took that knee, he took the knee for Macho. 49ers quarterback knelt instead of standing during the national anthem at last night's game. He's expected to kneel once again and protest to what he says are social injustices to African Americans. I appreciate that he used his platform to reach so many people. He took a knee for the people. People that don't have a platform to talk and have their voices heard and affect change. We shouldn't have to protest because y'all are treating us wrong. We do this because we need to and have rights. So, two days ago, 15th, J. Cole posted that video clip. It's like two minutes, right? And so, three days ago, Cap posted that basically that's the beginning of him kneeling, of his protest to police brutality against black people. Right, and so J. Cole's post on Twitter, thank you, Cap. We ain't forgot. NFL, let that man work. <laughs> right? People like Ava DuVernay, hashtag I'm still with Cap, two days ago. And so the community, black folks, we was like, hey, we need to make sure that our man Cap, he ain't playing. What's up with that? I'm boycotting, still boycotting. Right, so it's Cap's third year, it's my third year on a boycott. And so, but what is ironic is chess pieces get moved around. Also, sidebar, I don't know if y'all ever read 48 Laws of Power by Green. <laughs> Man, you got to read the 48 Laws of Power. It's, it's monumental about 
having a mindset of taking over and controlling situations, this is a perfect example. So the same day that Cap posts, you know, I've been unemployed, NFL owners colluding against me to keep me out, NFL does a press release with Jay-Z on some, hey, Hove loves the NFL. We're going to hire Hove and Rock Nation to come teach us about social justice in the black community, communities of color, and we're going to get them exclusive rights to advise us on all things entertainment. <laughs> yeah, now that's a takeover. Yeah, uh, pun, in, pun intended. That's a takeover. Right, and so I was like, okay, well, you know, sometimes things happen behind the, the curtain, the veil. We don't know. So Jay could have called Cap and was like, hey, I'm getting ready to do this deal with the NFL. Once I get us a seat at the table, then the next thing I talk about, once I get the pen to the pad as a contract, is why you ain't playing. So I'm gonna go ahead and do that. We rolling it out on the same day that you been that you was, you know, essentially, you know, excluded from NFL. That would make total sense. I don't know if that happened. And so I was reading the press release. The one thing that stood out to my mind was when Hove said, this is him and I quote, I think we have moved past kneeling. I think it's time to go into actionable items. That's what a problem is for me. Right? And so the two things, we, we, what we can't do is make the two things be the same thing. Right? So Cap nailed because black people are being murdered by police officers, period, right? The NFL responded, owners, by colluding to not hire him and keep him unemployed. That's a separate issue. So if Jay-Z says, hey, we need to move past kneeling, in my estimation, the only way we can do that is by hiring Cap to play. Good thing about Tom Brady, he's 40. Tom Brady's performance in the Super Bowl was terrible. He didn't even throw a touchdown pass day one. So that's a perfect example of you can be a quarterback, not be amazing, and play in the league. Cap is 31. You can't tell me that, you know, hey, it ain't a it ain't a team that Cap can't start on. It's a lot of whack quarterbacks. There's <laughs> a lot of whack quarterbacks in the NFL. Cap could be a backup to Dak in Dallas right now, even though he's better than Dak right now. Right? And so I I don't I reserve my opinion about Hove, because I don't really know. The details. So even though they did the announcement, they didn't do the details. So we don't really know what's going on, right? We just know that they're going to advise. You know, and this Hove got a record of the work he's done with Meek, uh, the work that he's done with uh, Khalif Browder. Like, Hove is getting it out there, talking about how black people have been oppressed. I appreciate that, 2,000%. But I'm just like, man, what's going on? Like what? What is this? What does this do for black people? And I get it. Part of me is like, once you get to a certain level, you become a billionaire. Is it still about the people, or is it not about the people? Like I posted on my on my Twitter. Sometimes the green is more important than the red and the black. Question mark. You know, red, black, and green flag traditionally connected with the motherland, Africa, about black people. You know, so I'm thinking I'm holding back. So Jamel Hill, who used to be affiliated with ESPN, who now works with The Atlantic, has her own podcast, Unbothered. She writes the following article. Jay-Z helped the NFL banish Colin Kaepernick. 
I just read the, the top part of it. Yesterday, hip hop mogul Jay Z and National League, National Football League Commissioner Roger Goodell held a joint session at the Rockefeller offices in New York to seal a once implausible partnership that isn't being received positively by both as both parties had hoped for. I assume neither Goodell nor Hove expected to be on the defense once the NFL announced that it would give Rock Nation, the Rock Nation music mogul entertainment company, significant power in choosing the performers for their league signature events, including the company Super Bowl halftime show. Jay-Z and Rock Nation will help host, well, will help, will also help augment the NFL social justice initiatives by developing content in spaces where players can speak about the issues that concern them. <laughs> and so I remember this, she talks about this. Jay-Z used to rap, I'm not a businessman, I'm a business man. And so this, it, the black community is divided, once again, about what our loyalties are to ourselves. I've always said, if you can provide for your family, if everybody provided for their family, that's the thing to do. If I can get my son and my daughters off to college, and they graduate from college or to the military or just out of prison, then I win. I did what I was supposed to do as a parent. right? If everyone did that, black community would be better. All communities would be better. And so, yeah, I, I don't, I don't say that Jay Z sealed Colin Kaepernick not getting hired, but if the businessman is gonna make business man by letting Cap get back in the league, that's dope. You know, if Colin Kaepernick gets back into the NFL, I'm still probably gonna boycott because of what they did to him, right? They purposefully locked him out and then paid him. Money they owed him, so it wasn't a payoff. They paid him money they owed him, wages that they didn't give him, and then forced him to sign an NDA so he can't never talk about it. Now, I don't know about me, but if I'm a stand-up guy, well, I do know about me, <laughs> but as a stand-up guy, if I negotiate something with you, I'm not going to force you not to be able to talk about it unless I'm doing something extra shady that I didn't want the public to know about, right? And so that's my ether. Jay-Z, we don't know what you're going to do, big homie. And so hopefully black people will get hired because of the work that you do, but ultimately cap need to get hired because of the work that you do. And so, again, that's my ether. To all you new listeners, just want y'all to know a couple things. Doc Hots, Son of Hip Hop, this is the normal way that we get it in, right? So the format is five random topics, therapy exercise, neither nor either or well, we not gonna do <laughs> talking about right and the D tangle, and so, whew, like I said, I, I did the hundred black men situation West Texas. It was great. Got to talk to some young brothers. We're gonna do it again, and so I got to be thinking about some things, right? And so I, I watch a lot of TV in the morning because I can't sleep. Again, I drink about a gallon of coffee a day. Trust me, it's not a diuretic because your boy's still sitting on 218, up from 212, down from 225. <laughs> so I'm going to get back to doing what I'm supposed to do, which is intermittent fasting, which is extra nuts. So I only eat from 12 to 8 o'clock, right? You got to get it in. No pork, no beef, no fried, no sugar. Right, so I mean a lot of vegetables, a lot of plants. I mean a lot of chicken thighs, chicken breasts, eating a lot of fish. 
right? So uh, my goal is to be a, a vegan by the 31st of December. So I'm working hard to get there. But my mind rambles. I, I do, I, this, this podcast is about intellectual ramblings. And so the first topic is pre-qualified credit cards. So here's my deal. My credit score is pretty good, right? We out here in these streets. I'm doing my thing. You know, I make sure that my that the amount of my credit isn't over 40%, right? That's advice for all you young college students out there. Keep the amount. Of, so if you got a $1,000 limit on your credit card, you should only be up to 400 You should never be over 400 You got to keep your credit score high, right? Pay every month, whatever the minimum payment is. If you can, well, make sure you pay the minimum payment. But if not, double the minimum payment. Get the balance down. Here's the trick of it all. In order to have a high credit score, you got to purchase stuff with your credit card and pay it off, right? Or, or they be on some, well, you haven't used this credit card in two years, and it, take, it makes your credit score go down. <laughs> so basically, when you get your first credit card, you're going to be you're gonna have to buy credit for the rest of your life. You're going to buy things with credit. Sidebar, Apple sent me exclusive email about getting this new Apple credit card. The interest rate is like 13%. I'm transferring all my balances to that. I think I'm just going to rock with two credit cards. So just, just think about how you're going to do your thing. But anyway, pre-qualified credit cards. Here's what I don't understand. Every single three or four days in the email, in the mail mail, right, I get like seven pre-qualified credit cards. I have enough credit cards. <laughs> I, gotta, I don't need any more credit cards. And I'm like, how do they know? How do they know to solicit me? Because every time I get an email from anybody that I didn't want, I go to the unsubscribe. What they supposed to do is take me off the list and don't circulate or sell my information, which I know that they're doing because the pre-credit cards, they sending me credit cards that I've been pre-approved for based on my credit score. So pre-approved really is what? It should just say, we don't know if we're going to give you this credit card if your credit score is trash approved. <laughs> That's what it should say, because that's what it is. How's it pre-approved? It should be approved. We we gave you the credit card, but here's the thing. If you don't apply for the credit card, they can't approve you for the credit card. So it's pre-approved? <laughs> it is not pre-approved. You're not pre. You can't pre-approved. You're either approved or you ain't approved. You're either pregnant or you're not. You're not a little pregnant. Like we can't do it like that. That, that's what it is. And I realize that they prey on students. Once you hit the college campus, I tell my son, son, why do you got 13 credit cards? Hey, well, you know, daddy, they was, oh, they sent these men mail. I've got credit cards. No. We had to call and cancel all those. All you need is two credit cards. Get you a credit card where the interest rate is about 17, 18%, preferably the first 24 months. There's no interest, right? So you can buy a couple things and pay off a couple things. But students, don't get caught in that trap about getting these credit cards. You only need two credit cards. You need a MasterCard and a Visa, and that's it. You don't need departmental. Uh, you don't need uh, uh, Neiman Marcus, Foot Locker, uh, Best Buy. You don't need all that. Get you two good credit cards and, and keep it rolling. But, yeah, pre-qualified credit cards, don't do that. Don't send me Don't send me nothing. I don't need that. I don't need your pre-qualified this. I'm not applying. You should know that I haven't applied for credit cards in, man, forever. Pull my credit re report. My, my credit cards, like, I'm 15 years deep. With the same credit cards. That's all I need. So pre-accrued credit cards. How do they get my information? I don't know. Topic two. Car exhaust baby cart. 
<laughs> so, you know, I'm a runner. So last year, I ran 102 miles by September. I was like, hey, I'm running 102 miles. I went to the doctor. He was like, your H1C is high. Did you get the sugar down? You need to lose some weight. So you need to start running. So I started running. I reached 102 miles. I said I was going to run 100 miles. Reached 102 miles by September. Sadly, I stopped running. I <laughs> I haven't ran since, <laughs> which is trash on my part. I'm gonna try to get back into running next year. <laughs> okay, with the school, with the, so school starts on the 26th. My university starts on the 26th. I think I'm gonna start back running. But I've been doing this CrossFit. I'm absolutely in love with the CrossFit. It's a straight up burn for an hour. So I may or may not start running. We're gonna see. So anyway, I'm a runner. So I run in my neighborhood. I run in my neighborhood likely. Right when the sun goes down, kind of going down, because it's like 111 in the city, and I'm trying not to have a heat stroke, pass out, die. No disrespect to our athletes who pass out, die from having a heat stroke. No disrespect. And so, the other day, I was driving when I came back in, and I was like, at the stop sign. And when I was at the stop sign, it was his family. The husband was running, and the wife was on the bike, and the baby was in this little, um, man, I don't want to, it's like a little, so the back, it got two things, like the chariots. It's like a chariot. So the two things hooked up to the back tires of the bike and the baby sitting in a chariot, right, looking just right, just rolling along with the daddy that's running and the mama that's riding on the bike. And I seen the baby coughing. And I was like, man, that baby coughing strong. And then I realized, <laughs> this is terrible, my car exhaust <laughs> was at the same level as the baby. So basically, I was contributing to killing the baby. <laughs> Briefly, right? While the parents was getting their workout in, trying to extend their lives, right? And even though it's not funny, I'm not for killing babies. I did a video on uh, Instagram about pro-life and pro-choice. We're not going to talk about that here. But it got me to thinking, who thought of that? That's a terrible idea. Like, if your child is not old enough to run or walk, they don't need to be with y'all. Daddy, you need to run while the wife stays at home. Uh, wife, you need to ride your bike while the husband stays at home with your child. Or if you got kids and you ain't married, while your baby's with the other person, you need to work out. And when the baby's with you, you don't need to be working out. Period. I don't want to contribute to killing anybody's baby. I thought about that. I was like, man, this is terrible. But I wasn't the only car in the neighborhood. So every car that drove by them, the baby was getting a, <laughs> the baby was getting a mouthful of exhaust. <laughs> and exhaust is terrible as an adult. I don't want to, I hate exhaust. It's pollution. It's killing the world. It's eating the hole through the ozone. It's the reason for global warming. And your child is right there and hailing it in because you didn't want to be responsible and not work out with the person you married with. Y'all together. You're going to see him again. <laughs> I promise you're going to see that person again. So, yeah, don't chariot your child around. Work out separately for the person you married to so your child lives longer. You don't want your child to have no iron lung. You don't want what? Wait, that's from, is that from diving? Yeah, okay, sorry. You don't want your child to have a, 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 tubercul tuberculosis? It's emphysema. That's right. Emphysema? You don't want your child to have that? Have it never smoked a cigarette? Come on. Don't do that to your child. Just do your thing. Go work out separate from the person you love. Next topic. Bare naked. <laughs> now, I talked about this before. I hate wearing socks and shoes. So if I could, I would just go somewhere. So if they had a, a place where I could go once a week, maybe once every two weeks, and get some type of coating. Uh, so I get a, I get a pedicure, then get some type of coating uh, on the bottom of my foot, 
that if I walked on broken glass or shards or shards of metal that it wouldn't cut through my foot, I would do that. I swear I would do it because I hate I hate wearing socks and shoes. I absolutely hate it. And so, but that speaks to me getting older, right? Like I don't I don't like you know most people don't like wearing clothes. Well, I haven't done an empirical data, but when I talk to people, they just don't like being clothed. Like clothing is expensive. Like, you know, it's just fabrics and colors. It just takes too much time for some people to do fashion well because a lot of people do fashion trash, especially on the college campus. Professors have no... <laughs> professors have no sense of fashion. They commit faux pas every day. So, you know, you may want to be bare naked, right? But I'm talking about bare, B-A-R-R-E, naked, play on words. So I went to... I did CrossFit. So last week was the first time I did CrossFit three days in a row. It was great. So I either did it on Sunday, Monday. Uh, I'm sorry, I either did it on Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, Monday, or I did it Monday, Tuesday, skipped the day. So I did it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So this week I didn't do it at all because I was trying to heal. My body's still sore. But I'm going to get back to it starting on Monday. Anyway, one day I'm like, hey, I, I get this. Uh, I want to do the CrossFit. I did the CrossFit. It was a great one. It was deadlifts. I was out there killing it. Then wifey hits me on, so we're going to bear. It'd be a great workout place for the both of us. Sidebar, I hate working out with wifey. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. Because she's not going to get it in. For an hour, I get it in. One hour these weights, and we out of here. We're doing six different types of lifting. So if we're doing legs, we're doing deadlifts. We're doing uh, box jumps. We're sitting down and doing the push-out thing. We're doing squats. We're doing... Uh, uh, what's the thing? Lunges. And then we out. It shouldn't take two hours to work out. She don't want to do it. She, she don't like sweating. Who works out and don't like sweating? I, so that's a whole other thing. So we go to the bar. And when I tell you, I was the only, it was 26 women in the room. I was the only guy in the room. And so when they handed out the weights, three pound iron weights. Now I've been, you know, I've been cleaning and jerking, uh, you know, uh, 135. I'm tapped. <laughs> Those three pound weights felt like 45s in each hand. So women looking at me like I'm just extra ass weak. <laughs> I was like, well, I'm not. So I kept having to clarify. Well, you know, I just got from uh, CrossFit, right? Because I was kind of tart. I was a little funky. And, you know, and they looking at me like, man, how you come to work out funky? Which I hate. And I was like, no, 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 no. So I just got back from CrossFit. No, so see, yeah. Hey, hey, uh, I just want y'all to know I just got here from CrossFit. I had to explain myself. So anyway, we do the bar. Man. So men, I want y'all to know, I've been going through some gender equity experiences. Women are extra stretchable. Extra stretchable. That, that instructor had me doing stretches that I need to have been doing for the last 20 years. Great stretches. They had these double hoop things that you put one leg through and bend your leg back. Oh, Man, them, them stretches was extra great. Extra. However, ain't no weight work. <laughs> ain't no weight work. And bars like $200 a month. $200 a month. <laughs> it's more than CrossFit. I'm like, what? But it's unlimited. Insert air quotes, unlimited. But here's the deal. If they ain't no instructor doing this uh, thing, yeah, you're not getting instruction. Ain't like you can just go work out. When I do the CrossFit, I'm with the instructor. 5.15 in the morning, 5.30 in the evening. I can go to both in the same day because I paid the fee, but I can't do CrossFit training without an instructor. What's the point of having unlimited in a place where it ain't no weights where you can only work out if you do the instructor? Aha! Uh -huh. Aha! Uh -huh. <laughs> 
trying to get over on you. But my bear experience was great. It was a good one. A lot of good stretching. Fellas, get your stretch in. If you want to be as elastic as a woman, because these women, man, they was, I, I want to say, hey, the, most of y'all must be uh, Olympians or you must have did, you grew up doing ballet or whatever. They had a stretch where I, I couldn't even do it. I just watched them do it. It was hurt too much. I can't bend, I can't stretch my left leg out while I'm bending my right leg down while my back is, yeah, I can't, I can't do all that. I can't do it. So yeah, back bar, naked, bare naked, yeah. <laughs> check, so check it out if you need just stretching work. Third topic, frugal falsetto. <laughs> so I, I met a lot of I met a lot of dudes. I met a lot of dudes. You know, I, I ain't got no space for no new friends per se. It's a couple dudes that's cool, but you know, new friends. Most of us got friends. We had friends when we was you know middle school, high school, college. You know, we stay in touch with those friends. Spaces for new friends. If you got new friends, it's pretty cool. You got dudes that you can rely on and depend on. That's that's cool. But hey, this is what's funny to me. So have you ever heard somebody get the get the frugal falsetto, right? When you mentioning something that that you like you likely have that they don't have. This is my interpreting. That you likely have that they don't have, and then they start talking about how frugal they are, and that's the reason why they don't have it. <laughs> So I, I remember, I remember uh, Nas saying, "By the time you can afford it, it's no longer important, right?" And I'm like, "Man, that that always resonated with me." I was like, "I don't want to be that dude where I, I bought something after it was well, it was cool to have, right?" So like, you know, Tesla is a great car. I'm gonna get a Tesla. Oh, sidebar, man, I seen this wreck. Oh man, they had this wreck on uh, Twitter where the whole front end of the Tesla was missing. The engine and everything, because the dude, they was in autopiloting, and they crashed and killed the passengers. Look, why Why do you, I, I know people that got Teslas. I ain't going to say no names. Why do you want to ride asleep? Why do you want to drive sleep in the car? No, that makes no sense. Pull over. I'm going to pull over, or I'm not, I'm going to take a nap, and then I'm going to get up and drive my car. I don't want to autopilot. I don't want to die in my car because of my car, right? I want to die in my car because I was I was irresponsible. I was going 90 in a hydroplane. So wait, clarify. I don't want to die in my car, but if I die in my car, it's going to be because I died because I killed myself in my car. Not that I'm in a suicide because I'm, I'm not a proponent of suicide. But if I die in my car because I killed myself in my car, it's going to be to my negligence, not because my autopilot failed. We're not doing that. But go back to the point. <laughs> you, we having a conversation about some of the finer things in life, and this one dude in particular, he was like, "Oh no, 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 no! <laughs> I wouldn't pay that much for that. Why would you? You know, I'm frugal. I'm I'm living a, a cost-effective life. You know, I'm trying to do this. I don't need all these worldly things, right? I don't really care about that. I'm I'm in a spiritual walk, and I'm moving through. Man, shut up." <laughs> Nobody want to hear that, man. Just say you're not going to get it. You can't get it. Just say that. It's okay. I wanted to get a dookie chain, a gold rope. I couldn't afford it, right? I'm older now. I'm a professor. What I look like with a gold chain on now, by the time I can afford it, it's no longer important. I wouldn't be like in a room with people with gold chains or something. I don't know, man. I wouldn't get no gold chain, man. What kind of, what kind of, why are you purchasing a gold chain, man? What you need a gold chain for? You're a grown-ass man. You're looking crazy. You're trying to recapture your youth. Shut up. Don't, don't.
don't do that. Just say, I can't afford it now. I couldn't afford it then. Or I, I can't afford it now. I just don't want it because it's no longer important. But don't, don't try to shame me because I buy certain things that I like, right? So if I want to buy a $40 cigar, a $100 cigar, I'm going to do that. But don't be on some, you bought a $100 cigar? Why would you pay $100 for a Cuban cigar? Man, that ain't no good investment. Man, you know, a Cuban cigars, man, that's that's destroying the environment, man. You're giving people secondhand smoke. Damn it, so they lungs. You shouldn't be doing that. You're polluting. Shut up. Don't nobody want to hear that. Keep your frugal falsetto to yourself. I will say, it's things that I can't afford that I'm not buying. I don't have no problem saying that. I'm not paying $5,000 a month for a car, no. Not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not, uh, I'm not buying, well, no, nah, I, I have about $10 ice cream. Oh, man, I bought the $10. Oh, man. So sometimes, when I was in grad school, sidebar, you got to reward yourself. So sometimes it's okay for you to go out and get $10 worth of ice cream, get a whole tub and eat it by yourself. You know, Ben and Jerry's, extra hard. Go ahead and do that. You deserve that for your work. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not a frugal, I, I don't put, pretend to be something I'm not. I'm not bourgeois. That's not me. I, I afford certain things, some things I don't afford, and I keep it moving. But if you got things because you got the money to afford it, I'm never going to shame you for that. Or if you couldn't afford it, now you can't afford it because when you could, when it was important, you couldn't afford it. Yeah, I'm, I'm off that. <laughs> and the last thing is, <laughs> so I got to go to my class reunion, right? And so I got to talk to some of my male white friends about body type. I never try to shame people about body type, although I do. I watch 600-pound life. 400 pounds don't sneak up on you, right? So right now, I'm at 218. I'm probably going to be at like 212 in two weeks because we're getting back to this, you know, intermittent fasting. And so I get that. So I don't shame body type. But in talking to my white friends, like, they love slender. <laughs> like, slender, slender is a good thing for them. And so, you know, I see, like, if you're a woman, regardless of race, and you look like you run 800 meters professionally, you slender. Like you might be 5'11, 126. And they love that. They be like, they think it's like a buffet. Like they got the super buffet with all the trimmings on it. Yeah. Couple of them, they would sound like they was lusting. Yeah, man, because so and so look at her, man. Man, she looks so good, man. Man, I show with my wife one year. <laughs> And I'm looking at them like, but dude, if she turns to the side, she's gonna vanish. That ain't that's that's sexy to you. That's 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 sexy to you, right? So I'm thinking to myself, like, you know, like thick for me, yeah, thick is thick is good. Like you got thick, you got almost uncomfortably thick, and then you got fat, right? So I would always say Serena Williams. Like, that, that was my go-to maybe five years ago, Serena Williams. I would always say she thicker than peanut butter frozen on Pluto. <laughs> now, that's extra thick. Yeah. And so I know y'all know my colleague, Timberly, would probably say, yo, maleness is showing. Yeah, and it probably is. But, hey, I admire black women thick. Black women are thick. Oh, they extra thick. They super thick, right? Some of them are super thick. So I, I'm a thick guy. But I was like, man, at first I was like, yeah, this is a, they just don't know. It's a cultural thing for the, for my white colleagues, for my white friends that I've seen. That, you know, so I started talking to white men on campus, even, you know, white male undergrads that I interact with every now and then. And I was like, hey, man, uh, do you believe in cultural beauty based on look, right? 
So we got to this discussion. And they was like, yeah, they like they essentially like thin. But in talking to them, they like everything thin. Right? So I thought it was a cultural thing. They like thin crust pizza. <laughs> they want low calorie ice cream that's sugar free. <laughs> They don't want nothing thick in their diet, in their lives, nothing thick. Like, that's who they are. They want thin. I want you to ask some questions of your white male friends about thin versus thick, right? Like, they, they not eating Nutella. They eating some organic peanut butter that's extra thin. Like, you can just spread it, spread it, spread it, spread it, spread it, and don't break your bread. That's what they're doing. And so, yeah, yeah, it just, it just got me to thinking about thick versus thin. I'm a thick guy. So I'm not a thick guy, even though I've been called stocky. I'm not thick, but I'm pro thick, extra thick. <laughs> uh, anyway, so 36 minutes down the tubes. Yay, yay. Facade podcast therapy exercise. Part of the reason the facade podcast got created, because my therapist was like, hey, I give you permission to create a podcast as an outlet to help you deal with your anger because I got anger everywhere I go. I'm introduced to Dr. Hoskins, which has lofty expectations that I don't feel like meeting all the time because we're just talking about Avengers. That's what we're talking about. I don't have to have a professorial take. I can say I hate it. It's trash. I don't like it. I don't need to get talk about hermeneutics. We're just talking about that, right? And so each time she asks me, I go to therapy once a week. And she asked me a question, and then I answered the question on the podcast. So this is the facade podcast therapy exercise that she asked me today. And so essentially, she wanted me to think about it, right? Because she's big, she's cerebral. She wanted me to think about it. She was like, prove to me that you're not xenophobic concerning your love for hip-hop. And I was like, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I can prove it. Uh, These are my top 10 MCs that ain't from America. Uh, okay. These are my top five MCs that ain't from America. Uh, okay. This is my top one MC that ain't from America. Yeah, Aubrey. He's my top one MC. Okay. <laughs> oh, let's switch it up. Hold up. All right. It's that realness right here. All you self-promoters are janky. We established like the Yankees. This whole fucking game thank us. Mm-hmm. We moving militant, but somehow you don't want to tank it. No limit to where I could take it. And you know me as a Chris Bottle sender. So I can make the argument that Drake is the greatest international MC ever to contribute to hip-hop. But his discography over 10 years is nuts. Now, because I'm a Kendrick fan... <laughs> It ain't the best, best, but it's dope. I mean, Drake put in the work. Got to give him his props, fam. So he, he's the only international MC I listen to. Does that make me xenophobic? <laughs> yeah. No, no. Absolutely not. Hey. I know that all y'all get lonely too. <laughs> and that ain't this, but this is hot right here. For sure. 
And I'm not a Drake stan. But to answer the questions, I don't know. American everything is better. That's black. Caught in the line, I already know. What's that today? It's the right time that I can't go. That means nothing. <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> yeah, but to conclude, that's it right there. I think that's it. I'm not xenophobic. I just think American hip hop is better. You know, black people, we are we are the bar. You dig? When it comes to hip-hop culture. And so we the leaders, which is why we get uh, replicated often to our detriment. So anyway, yeah, that that was that was my, my uh, therapy exercise. This is my either or, neither, nor. And so child interaction protocols. Here's how it goes down. So everybody that got kids that I know, I consider them as an extension of my kids. So when they bring their kids around, I try to align my kids with their kids. We do the play dates. I'm invested in their kids' success because I want their kids to win. I consider myself part of their tribe. So if, if their kids are getting celebrated, I'm there. If their kids are having birthday parties, I'm there. If their kids are graduating from college, I'm giving their kids money, and I'm there because I support families. I'm all about that. But here's the protocol. If me and your daddy or your mama get into it, then when I see you, if you're the kid, your energy should be different. I expect that, right? So if I got a problem with an adult, I'm going to tell my kids who are going to be around those adults, I got a problem with this adult. That ain't been resolved. And so because I got a problem with this adult, guess what? They got a problem against the Hoskins family. Who's in that family? You in the family. So that includes everybody. So if you got a problem with me as an adult, your kids shouldn't be running up on me trying to get love. Because I'm going to mush your kids in the face and be like, hey, you need to go talk to your mom and your daddy. Because clearly y'all moving differently than I'm moving. And so it's a lot of people out here that be like, man, I wonder why don't nobody rock with my kids or help my kids. It's because of you. Don't nobody want to deal with you. So when you act a fool, you cut your kids off from what? from blessings from other families. So I get that it takes a village to raise a kid. That's only if the whole village is cool. But if the parents is out here wilding, being disrespectful, right, spreading rumors and lies, right, people going to move differently. I'm going to move differently. That's my children's protocols, right? So if my children see you and they don't speak to you, you know why. Because you got a problem with me. Because otherwise, my kids going to be, my kids is the most respectful kids I, I done seen in a minute. I'd be surprised. <laughs> How respectful my kids are. They yes, ma'am, yes, sir, all day. No, you can call me Billy. No, uh, yes, sir. That's, how, that's who my kids are. But it's been times, you know, kids, they be like, hey, how you doing, Dr. Hoskins? Y'all hear that silence? <laughs> That's what I'm hitting their kids with. I say, hey, ask your parents how I'm doing because we're not speaking at the moment. So you shouldn't be speaking to me neither. Carry on. Like, that's how I am. That's who I am. I'm all, I'm here for the resolution. Like, sometimes parents make mistakes. Uh, individuals make mistakes, right? They encroach. I'm not beyond reproach. If I make a mistake, I'm going to come to you and be like, yo, I messed up. 
we can we be cool? If we can't be cool, let's don't be cool. But tell your kids that we ain't cool. Because when I see your kids, I ain't got nothing for them but extra silence. And my kids got that for you. So don't be talking about my kids and disrespecting you because they don't speak to you. You know my kids ain't speaking to you. I ain't speaking to you. So yeah, get hey, <laughs> get out of here with that. That that ain't that ain't how I rock in my house. That's my child protocols. You set the you set my house. You set me on fire. You set everybody in my house on fire. And that's how we're gonna treat you. We're gonna get at you as a family because that's how we move. So that, that's my child protocols, right? So tell your kids. If you let your kids know, if you used to seeing me around and you ain't seeing me around no more, your mama and daddy violated me. We, we in violation or my wife or somebody that I'm in my circle with, right? That's just who, that's how I am. You move against one of me, you move against all of me. That's just me, right? Not right or wrong. That's where well, it's my right. So that's why it's my either because it's my absolute right. <laughs> and now my or. So let me let y'all know something. My Uncle Johnny who I talked about, rest his soul, 81 years old, when he moved on, right? He taught me a couple of lessons about dressing up and being a grown man. He said, hey, youngin, here's something you do. You buy navy blue, gray, black suits. Those are the color suits that you wear. You don't buy no damn red suit. You don't buy no damn orange suit. <laughs> you don't buy no chartreuse suit. You just don't do that. that the men, real men don't move like that. And I bought into that, right, because I was a young man. That was before my madras and my uh, seersucker, you know, because I'm out here moving around, and I got a lavender seersucker, a baby blue, a tan. You know, I move, I move around a little bit, but I get it. The point was dress up. Take pride in yourself. James Hoskins taught me the same thing. So shout out to my pops. It's his 82nd birthday today. Yeah, yeah. Happy 82nd birthday. Talked to him earlier today. He's doing absolutely great. I told him, I said, hey, man, you need to do 82 things today. Like go out, get eat you 82 waffles. Or go out, go pick a, uh, I don't know, pick a pair of 82 posies. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Watch 82 movies, write a, write a memoir, write 82 sentences about the greatness of your life. You know, I said, hey, Pops, what's the, uh, in, at your 82 birthday, I want you to reflect. What's the uh, the most traumatic thing that happened to you and the greatest thing that happened to you? He said, the greatest thing that ever happened to me was me asking your mama to marry me. Oh. <laughs> I expect him to say that. He's married. He's a stand, right? I get that. Then I said, what's most traumatic? He was like, well, when you had the car wreck. So I almost died when I was an undergrad, had this car wreck. And so, yeah, I went to get into the details, but I don't want nobody to go to jail. And so I get that. I appreciate that. But he sold it to me, dress up. And so I'm prideful that when I step outside the door, it's like the dude from Verizon before he sold out and went to Sprint. When you seen him, you seen all the people from Verizon behind him. When you go out that door, you represent your whole community. So if you want to sag your pants, go ahead and do that. I can't judge you about sagging pants because I don't believe in respectability politics, but I do believe that there are consequences to the way you present yourself in public. Speaking of which, every time I go somewhere to run errands, I dress up. Like, I don't know who I'm going to meet. I'm going to 7-Eleven to get a tank full of gas. I got to go inside and look for the Sathers Circus Peanuts. They orange, too much sugar. My A1C is too high. But if I find them, yeah. <laughs> I got I got to buy them, right? Because they, they extra good. They taste extra great. And so I'm like, uh, I probably shouldn't get them, but I'm going to get them. But guess what? I'm going to be clean as a tick, sharp as a tack when I go off in there. 
I'm going to do that. If I'm going to Walmart to get my Subway sandwich, I'm going to have those square toes. <laughs> that, that's just me, right? I get it. Like if you on Black Friday, right, on Black Friday, when they're giving away that 65-inch TV, they won't sell it for $300. How are you going to come to Target and you got on house shoes? Why are you doing that? Don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. House shoes is for where? Repeat after me. The house. <laughs> house shoes is for where? Repeat after me. The house. I should never see anybody grown, grown outside the house with house shoes on. Don't do that, sidebar. Black Friday is the day of the bargains. So why come the Black Friday got to be when everything is cheap? I'm going to let that marinate for you for a second. But yeah, when you out and about, you shouldn't have on house shoes. Don't do that. So I take pride and I dress up. When I'm going out, early on in my marriage, my wife hit me with the side eye. She used to be like, hey, where you going? You all dressed up. What you got a tie on for? Oh, I'm finna go ahead on Church's Chicken and give me some chicken. And she was like, who are you going to see at Church's Chicken? Nobody. I'm just going out to give me something to eat briefly. Right? I like to dress up when I'm out. Only time I don't dress up is when I go to car wash. Wait a minute. So when I'm going to wash my car, I don't dress up. But when I go to this drive fancy drive through car wash, that's $12 for one damn car wash. Guess what? Suit and tie on. I'm not getting out the car until I pull the car around and get out and watch them vacuum it out and watch them dry it off and watch them armor all it. Yay, yay. And I have a conversation about whatever, cap capitalistic pursuits or me being a professor or whatever. I'm, I'm high confalutant. Yeah, I've heard that word said before. Don't know what it means, but it sounded good. And so I'm like, hey, I'm out here looking nice because I'm running an errand. Ain't nothing wrong with looking nice when you go outside. Nothing wrong with doing that, especially when you're running errands because you never know who you're going to run into. You might run into the governor. You might run into somebody that could give you a job on the spot because you were so fly. Well, that might not happen. But still, that's what I, I like to dress up. And yeah, I'm not I'm not gonna let y'all shame me for wanting to dress up. So that's my either or, right? So I'm either go disrespect your children. <laughs> Cause you should already told them that you disrespected me in the children protocols for interaction, or dressing up to run errands, which is extra dope. Which brings me to my neither nor. Now, a lot of y'all may think this is crazy, but my neither nor is naked statues of white men on college campuses. <laughs> That's my neither. So the work I do as a scholar is around racial microaggressions, around racial trauma, and how people of color experience race, right? Being marginalized, being erased, being oppressed. That, that's, the, that's, hey, that's, that's the work that I do, right? And I was walking on campus the other day, and I went in front of the library, and they got a big statue like it's a bronze statue, so you know it's expensive. It's about 15 feet tall of Prometheus. Prometheus didn't graduate from my university, right? And he don't got nothing to do with reading or libraries, but he asked naked in front of my university. I don't understand that. Not only is that nasty, <laughs> but it has nothing to do with education, right? I experienced that as a gender aggression because it's an ass-naked man in front of me. I don't never want to see men ass-naked in general, but specifically when I'm on college campus, nobody want to see that. That's whack. But so then I got to thinking. I was like, I walked around a little bit, and I was like, where 
out of statues out of Latinx men or the black men or the Asian men or the Pacific Islander men. Where we at ass naked on campus getting honored for whatever reason? Yeah, that don't happen. So this is my homework assignment. To all the college students that can hear my voice, I want you to go on your campus or even at your job and see how many statues of ass naked white men you can find. <laughs> and go ask the person, somebody in charge, why is this statue out here? What's the purpose of this statue? To remind me that white men can do whatever they want to do, right? Because if I was a white man and I see <laughs> I see these couple statues on my campus from the front, I'd be pissed. <laughs> I'd be like, hey, uh, this statue ain't done yet. <laughs> I'd be upset. I, but I get it. You can't, I mean, you can't put a statue of a black man out there ass naked for various reasons. I get that. I, I understand. <laughs> but I'm like, that's just extra offensive. I'm glad they don't have no statues of women. Well, actually, that's, so that's another question. How many universities got statues of ass naked women on their campus? Yeah, they probably don't. They don't do it. And so I get offended. I'm offended. I don't want to see men ass naked under no context anyway. I get it when we at the gym, just did CrossFit. You're going to be ass naked because I appreciate that you washing your ass in general. So it's, you know, it's six men in the shower. We all in there together having conversations about whatever we have conversations about. We drive, get out, go our separate ways. I appreciate that. But because, you know, cleanliness is next to godliness. So I'm cool with that. But yeah, just on campus, ass naked, statues? Yeah. Somebody somebody got to do something about that. So that. That's my homework assignment for the collegians listening and the professors, the, the people that work at the universities listening. Go to the people in charge to find out why it's ass. Go on campus, canvas it, how many ass naked statues are there, talk to somebody, figure out why they are, and third, see if we can get them torn down because now you spend a lot of money for nothing. <laughs> and that takes me to my loyalty fallouts, right? So here's how my loyalty works. This is a fallout. So when I was at uh, University of Utah, I was the only African-American student in my educational leadership and policy program working on a PhD. I met somebody, and when I got there, we was friends. We was cool. Over time, you know, you have fallouts because sometimes people just have fallouts. We had, I had my proposal defense. This person didn't show up to my proposal defense. So the proposal defense is you've taken 20 classes in your PhD program. Then you have to defend the proposal for your doing research, for your dissertation, for your PhD. He didn't come. I talked to him. I was like, hey, man, why you didn't come to my proposal defense? He said, I was jealous of you. I said, what? Why, why was you jealous of me? We're boys. He said, well, you know, I started this program three years before you. You came in and you didn't pass me. So I'm jealous. I was like, man, I ain't never been jealous of nobody. So I've been envious. So Jay Leno got a, a garage full of million-dollar cars. I'm very envious of that because I just want one. Actually, I just want to test drive a couple of them, you know, with him. That would be extra cool. But I ain't jealous. Like, he worked to get the money to buy those cars. How am I hate on him and be jealous because he got something I don't got, although I can be envious. And so I was like, wow, he was jealous of me. So in, anyway, our friendship ended up ending. Not because of that, but some other things. Because he was just he was just a snake dude. Eventually, he showed who he was. Right, I had to cut him off. A little bit later, I'm back in Salt Lake doing my thing. He approaches me and says, "Hey, I heard that you was talking about me." And I was like, "Yeah, wasn't talking about you, about something that he mentioned from my past." And I said, "Look, this is how my loyalty works. Everything that you shared with me while we was cool, 
It's like I dug a hole in the backyard and threw it in the ground. I don't tell secrets. If you're my friend and you become my enemy, everything that you shared with me while you was my friend stays in that friendship space because we trusted each other in the friendship space. But once you become my enemy, everything after that space, yeah, if you foul, I'm going to call you out. And he was doing some stuff that was foul with students. <laughs> you shouldn't be doing things as foul with students, just so you know it, right? So sidebar, <laughs> when I came to my university doing faculty orientation, they said this sentence. For those of you who like to have sex with students, you can, just don't do so with this university. <laughs> Which was, which was kind of uh, telling you not to, but kind of cool if you did. <laughs> but I'll never forget that. And so he made some moves with some students, right? And I, I, I had to say I had a perspective about that. Not because it was him, but just in general, right? And so he was like, I heard you was talking about it. But I was like, nah, I didn't talk about none of the past stuff. Because he asked me about past stuff. But present stuff, I was like, yeah, I talked about you. You was wrong. Don't live like that. If it was your son or daughter, you'd be mad. So keep that same energy when it's you. Don't pray on the students, no matter who you are. Pray with students if you want to. So it's an organization on campus called Impact for Black Students that love Jesus. Pray with students, yeah, but don't pray on students, sucker. So anyway, <laughs> that's my nor, right? That's my nor. So what we're not gonna do is pray on students, which brings us to my favorite segment of the podcast. What we not going to do. And for you new listeners, I didn't clarify. So let me clarify. What we not going to do. If you hear a black woman, if you see a black woman taking earrings out her ears, while she's saying, what we not going to do, whatever happens to you after that, probably ain't going to be good. Because <laughs> you have violated or disrespected a black woman, which I'm totally against. Right, so whatever happens to you after that, you deserve it, so roll with it. That's how it's going to be. So, what we're not going to do, I want to have a serious conversation about ownership, right, and what that looks like. And so my son, who wants to, he's an MC. he's in a group, he manages a group called Glow Up, right? And so Glow Up is out here in these streets, they doing their thing, they making moves. They had a, a party in uh, Utah, Salt Lake City, it was extra dope. And so they're going to turn it into an annual thing. I told them, no matter what y'all do, never sign a contract. <laughs> We're not doing that. Don't sign no contracts. In this era of YouTube, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, y'all can blow up without the usage of a record label, right? Y'all don't need the record label for Nathan at all, right? And so I was like, hey, let's have a conversation about ownership and what we own, how we own it, and when we own it. Which brings up one of my favorite hip-hop duos ever, De La Soul. So today is the 50th birthday of Pasta Noose. So plug one, plug two, De La Soul, Pasta Noose. Sidebar, as an undergraduate, they came to Dallas. There used to be a record label called Rowdy Records. I was in a rap group then as an undergrad, and De La Soul came, and we opened up for them. They came to uh, Green, uh, man, what's the, what's the Green Line? What? Some, some downtown, right? And so... We went down there and rapped. They opened up for De La Soul. I got to hang out with them. Uh, got the Scott Pager number of Plug 2. We corresponded a little bit. Nothing ever happened, right? MC Light was there. I mean, it was it was the one of my hip-hop moments. I got several hip-hop moments I'll talk about. That's a whole nother show. But uh, De La Soul was one of the greatest rap groups. They did a song called Me, Myself, and I, <laughs> which is about person, persona, facade. 
catch the time. And so, anyway, it was extra dope. So, Pasta Noose, it's his 50th birthday today. He's one of the greatest MCs. If you into historic albums, people rank the top 50 MCs. One of the best hip-hop albums ever is Balloon Mind State by De La Soul. If you want to listen to classic MCing, listen to Balloon Mind State. So, anyway, we're going to... I, want, I wanted to talk about when you sign a record label deal, they had a right to your masters. Earlier, we, th- we talked about uh, Taylor Swift, how she didn't, her masters got sold to somebody else, so she'll never get those masters. She'll never own her first music projects that she dropped, right? You know, we talked about Jay-Z earlier. Jay-Z owns the masters to Reasonable Doubt, his first album. So he owns the album outright. Nipsey owns the masters, right? Masters are... If you own the masters, every time people play the streams, it goes to the artist that owns the masters. So every time you stream somebody's music, the artist gets a little bit of money, but the record label, they get the most of the money for the streams, right? Because they own the masters, even though you did the work, right? So De La Soul. So I'm looking at, so United Masters on um, on Twitter, they, have, they talk about a, a a lot of topics, right, concerning ownership and being in the music industry. This is a post that they posted early this year that I saw said the catalog would be streaming across all, you know, streaming platforms. But 90% of their money goes to Tommy Boy. So after a month of negotiations, the group has failed to reach an agreement with Tommy Boy, who says they're not in the business of giving back masters to their artists, right? So then they La Soul goes on Insta. And then this is what they said. I just read a, a portion of it. It says, Tommy Boy says that they're not in the business of giving back artists their masters. We realize that there's a process in reclaiming ownership, but we do not trust Tommy Boy in this process and after so many years of disappointment. Therefore, our catalog will not see the light of day by way of involvement of consent. So De La Soul has to consent for the catalog to be on streaming platforms. Back to De La Soul. This means if you see De La Soul music, or albums available on streaming or for purchase anywhere, be aware. All parties involved will profit, but De La Soul will not profit or benefit or get what they deserve that is fair. We really tried. More details to come. Right? And so what we're not going to do is get out here and be pimped by corporatization. Right? So as we know, this is the era of streaming. We still don't know what a stream is worth, right? So every time you play one stream, if you play the stream on t- on title, Jay gonna give you a different amount than YouTube is gonna give you a different amount than Spotify is gonna give you a different amount than Apple is gonna give you a different amount than SoundCloud, right? So you're getting different levels of checks based on what how many streams you get. Some artists got you know forty if your if it streams forty six million times, we know you ain't getting a dollar per stream. Point in a point system, you probably getting six points. Right per dollar sold, so you're probably getting six cents. So even if you get six cents per stream, like six cents, let me get out my calculator. Let me see, it's AL. So if I if I get point zero six times forty six million, that's two point seven six million dollars that I should get. We know you ain't getting, they ain't getting six cents a stream. <laughs> right? And so artists is getting money on record sales. You know, uh Blueface album just dropped. It ain't only sold 14,000 copies. That's terrible. Right? But in the age of streaming, if he streamed a hundred million streams for one song or a couple songs, he maybe can make that money up on the back end. 
the problem is he don't own the masters. No new artist that has a record deal owns the masters, right? And so it's 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 the Nipsey Hustle thing. You can either build your catalog and then go to a label and say let's partnership together, which partnership is 50-50 likely, or you can sign away your whole life and all your rights. Record label give you a million dollars up front, that million dollars gone in a year and they own your music, right? And so my point of bringing it up and what we're not going to do is what we're not going to do is support corporate entities that come into the community, harvest our talent, put us out there on stage so they can make millions. They they billionaires, we thousandaires. I totally don't support that, right? And De La Soul is my joint. I went online. I was like, man, I can't. De La Soul, I can't buy it on Apple. I can't. I can't why can't I buy it? It all goes back to this. The record label owns 90% of the catalog. Of, of the rights to the catalog. They also made all the music and all they got was 10 cents on the, on the dollar rights wise, which is terrible. Right? So they went in to renegotiate record labels like, nah, we good. Why would we do that? We extra good. And so I'm just, man, it's, it's just, it's disappointing to see and hear. And so, yeah, I'm just, that, that was my quick, what we not going to do. I don't want to get too serious. Right again, that's my favorite section because it's the most funny section of the show to me. But yeah, what we're not gonna do is support being workers when we can be bosses. This the area of this the era of content control. We can get it. Eventually somebody I'm gonna be saying, hey, this facade podcast is brought to you by Bevel. Right? You don't want bumps in your neck, use Bevel. <laughs> that might be it, right? But it's all about ownership. I own the facade podcast. That's it. It's, it's moving, it's growing, right? Eventually, it'll be a top 10 podcast. And I'll be getting paid extra, 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 extra to do it, right? But I don't want to give away the ownership. I'd rather get paid nothing and own 100% of it than give away 99% of it and own, and own 1% of it. I'm not doing that. So, anyway, support local businesses, support artists that's getting money separate from the corporate entities, Right? So that's, so that's that's my what we not gonna do, right? Which takes us into time about we're hour and six seconds down the rabbit hole. You dig? So time about I had somebody hit me up and they said, hey, this this what this what they said in the quote. They said, hey, this how I heard them saying it when they when they typed in this. They said, hey, you seem to be a brand's person. What you think of great value? <laughs> Now, because Tom Bad is usually about advice that I give to people that say, <laughs> that talk about anything, dating, working, identities, uh, clearly, this person likes great value. <laughs> so, again, when I'm in Walmart, to answer your question, person whose name I ain't going to say, when I'm in Walmart with my square toes on, sometimes I go to the, I get trash bags, great value. I get 1% milk. Great value. Um, I get, what else I get is great value. Uh, I might get a, a, a mop or something. <laughs> That's great value because it's a great value. But what I don't get is cereal. 
So a great value series, just a white box with great value on it. You don't even know what's inside of it. I don't know if it's like chocolate cereal, if it's a, if it's orange cereal, if it got, a, you know, I don't know what it got inside the box. It don't got no ingredients on the back, no label. Tell me how much sugar. It don't got none of that. So I, <laughs> I don't get great value food. Anything that's got great value on it, that's, that's, I don't do that. I don't do peanut butter. I don't do uh, jellies. I don't do, yeah, stuff like that. I don't do great value. No, no. <laughs> And I ain't shaming anybody that likes great value. Because, hey, great value is a great value. But to me, great value is like, it's like the knockoff version, right? I hate to say that. So with pills, for instance. So if I'm getting heart medicine for my heart because my heart is palpitating, you know, erratically, I don't want the generic. I want the one that's the one that I'm used to, bear. If it's bear or what's, I, what's y'all know some names of, uh, Medicines, uh, brand? Oh, I don't either. So if it's bear, say bear, like bear aspirin. Doctor told me take up one bear aspirin a day just to help with my heart. I take one bear aspirin a day. I'm not going to take great value aspirin. I'm not doing it. Not at all. Anything that I ingest for the health of betterment of my body, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm 2,000% going to get whatever the brand name is. I'm not getting the uh, the knockoff for drugs because it's my life, right? Same thing applies with uh, great value. <laughs> so again, <laughs> great value is a great value. But if I'm ingesting it, if it's food, yeah, not doing it. I want the brands, even though this was crazy, like General Mills probably make great value. So it's not, it ain't a Walmart brand because it be a Target, it be a dollar store, great value out here winning. But for knocking off, but I'm not, yeah. I'm not. <laughs> that was a very... Peculiar questions. <laughs> Very peculiar indeed. But that's, that's my response. Like, I'm not, that's what we're not going to do is eat anything that's great value, even though great value is a great value. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what we're not going to do. Whew. Detangle. So we are hour and 10 minutes, right, in to the wet spot. So, detangle. I really was thinking about this one, right? This is a detangle. And y'all can chastise me if you're wrong. I was thinking about it. Like, life? Ugh, it's going to sound terrible. I'm starting to believe that life is only about one thing. And that's how much money you can earn to make sure the people that you love are safe and healthy and happy. Like, that's it. Right, so I, you know, I was, I've been intellectualized, and I was like, man, I love Jesus, got a relationship with Jesus, I praise God, like that's my thing. But secondarily, get money. <laughs> I hate to say that, secure the bag, like that's that's what I'm here to do. That's why I'm on Earth to praise Jesus and secure the bag, right? Like humanity, about one of my mantras is like humans are trash. <laughs> That's, hey, because of capitalism, humans going to do what they, they want to do. They want to get, as a consumer, I want to get the best product for the cheapest cost. As a person that creates things, services, and products, I want to make the thing that I'm selling for the cheapest cost and sell it for the most. So those things are diametrically opposed. They don't go together, right? 
they're against each other. The consumer and the business are, they're inherently against each other, right? At the end of the day, the business trying to get as much money as it can from you, and you trying to save as much money as you can from to keep it from them. That's the juxtaposition, you know? And after I pray to God to not do evil, because that's my thing. I, that's, you know, I ain't doing evil. I ain't trying to do good, but I ain't doing evil, right? And so, at the end of the day, the people that I love in my circle, I work tirelessly to make sure they get everything that they got. I'm going to provide. My happiness is bound in that. If they not happy, if they do it without, I'm sad. I can't see a situation where I win and they lose, right? I was, <laughs> I was talking to my boy the other day. I said, man, when you got a job, you come home, Man, your kids running, jumping your arms. They like, yeah, daddy's home. Yeah, wife come in, cook you up the plate. Husband come in, cook you up the plate, get it to you. You get everything that you want. You get dessert brought to you in bed. Everything, feet rubbed. You got that job. Kids is introducing you. Hey, this is my daddy. He's winning. He's doing this, blah, blah, blah. He's an attorney. Kids is proud of you. Yeah, you ain't got no job. <laughs> Kids calling you by your first name. <laughs> Creating a, a profile for your mama on Match.com. <laughs> and they eating first before you get home. Your food just left on, just left on the stove. Because <laughs> your wife and kids and already ate. Like it looked totally different. I mean, love is love. People say love is unconditional. I don't believe that now. Not at all. Mm-mm. If you if you a man, this gonna sound terrible, but I'ma say it. If you a man and you ain't got no job, if you living off a woman, you ain't got no job. If you ain't trying to get no job, cause you just don't you don't believe in working. Yeah, you a sorry man, sorry ass man. <laughs> like my son would say, head ass man. That's what you are. Like you you got to get money. God put you on this earth to praise Him. Right, whether you Muslim, Buddhist, however your orientation is spiritually, if you atheist, that's something different because you don't believe in nothing bigger than yourself. That's a whole nother conversation. That's selfish. To be atheist is to be selfish, but that's just my perspective. But yeah, you here to praise God first, but after that, get money. <laughs> that's it. Secure the bag, man. Secure the bag. That's my detangle because people need you to get money. People got to eat. People got to go to college. People got to have great health care. So when something happens to them, they get fixed without getting swindled, right? People got to get exposure. People got to learn how to speak more than one language. All that stuff is tied into resources, and the money ties you directly into the resources. So that, that's my detangle. Don't be a bum. <laughs> no disrespect to the bums out there listening. <laughs> Don't be a bum. Don't live off of nobody. Get out there and get it. And provide, make your communities better. Yeah, that's my that's my detangle. <laughs> so anyway, the Facade Podcast, we dropping next. Season, uh, sep- season 1, episode 18 is dropping next Wednesday. We had an elongated week. I had some research that I had to do. Pushed me back. So I had to record on Saturday, which is today. We drop it today. In four days, we dropping again. The YouTube channel is dropping September 1st. We out here catching these visuals. You can find Facade Pod on Instagram, Facade Podcast on Twitter. 
thinking about getting a Facebook page. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. You can holler at me, Son of Hip Hop, Doc Hotch, on Twitter, Dr. B. Hoskins, on Instagram, Dr. B. Hoskins, on Facebook, Dr. B. Hoskins. And so we out here, 26th, university starts back to school. Woo! <laughs> I'm teaching the equity and diversity course. Man, oh, man. If you're a student taking that class, I'm going to bust your head open. <laughs> I'm going to be that professor. You was like, man, I hated Dr. Hoskins, but I learned more from him than anybody ever. That's what you're going to say. So anyway, enjoy your Saturday. And remember, the Facade Podcast, we maraud for ears. <laughs>